As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit. Matthew chapter 13, verse 23, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. How can we be good soil? I think that's the main sort of built-in exhortation of the parable this morning, right? How do we be good soil that the word of God is planted in and it bears much fruit? Translating the agricultural world of the parable into our daily lives, what can we do, what can we actually do to, to be more receptive to the word of God? in our hearts and in our minds, uh, to make ourselves more fertile ground for the word of God to be planted in? How can we prepare ourselves rightly for God's word so that we don't end up being like the rocky soil that failed when tested with difficulty or like the thorny soil that failed when tempted with pleasure? How can we be good soil? Um, before answering that question, we first actually have to look at what the seed is. When is it that we hear the ground? If in the, hear, the, hear the word, if in the parable we are the ground, when is it that seed is scattered on us? We have to be clear about that. When is God communicating to us? Uh, and then look at the question of how we can uh, better receive that word. I think there are, there are three different occasions in our life when the word of God comes to us. You, you could maybe break down some subcategories and maybe make that a bit more, but I think there's three big ones. In church, uh, when the Bible is read uh, and when the sermon is preached, that's one. At home, when we read the Bible, so two of the three are connected to the Bible. Uh, and in our hearts, when the Holy Spirit prompts our conscience. I think those are the three kind of big, the main times when God communicates to us. And so I want to look at each of these three arenas and look at what it means to be good soil in each of them. And, and I do this not with a view to try and sort of add some extracurricular activity to our Christian lives, but because as Jesus says, even in this, there's sort of a matter of life and death. I mean, Jesus is always kind of saying, be careful, like all of these things are important. You know, that um, in three of the four instances of hearing the word in the parable, uh, it was a total crop failure in the end, right? Which means that no fruit was gained for the sower, the plant was wasted, and the soil is deemed useless. Uh, and I think there's, um, there's really one overarching principle in all three of these areas, whether we're talking about church or at home with our Bible reading, um, or when our conscience is spoken to by the Holy Spirit. The overarching principle is prayer. And it sounds so simple, but I actually didn't learn this a couple years ago. We actually have to ask God to explain himself to us in every case. Soil can't do anything by itself, right? That's what a farmer is for. <laughs> to take out the rocks and the thorns and to fertilize it. And the farmer is God. Jesus actually makes that connection in other parables. So we need to ask him for the grace to be good soil, for the grace to bear fruit from his word. Okay, so that's the, that's the preface. Let's uh, look at each of these three arenas in turn then. So let's take church uh, at first. You know, at, at surface, especially in a liturgical church like ours, there can be a sense that church just sort of um, does itself, right? Like we just show up, we, we say the same words out of the liturgy, and 
we eat from the same table, we sing the same hymn, and we maybe have coffee hour, and we go home. And of course, outwardly, we are doing the same thing, but inwardly, we're each having uh, really a whole range of different experiences through this same outward practice. And, and that's the really important distinction when it comes to church and hearing the word of God at church. We, we need to not confuse the outward acts, like just because our, our butt was in the chair, so to speak, um, with what takes place inside our minds and our hearts during this time. Because we, uh, as I think any of you have been coming to church for some time, myself included, know that you can actually go through a Sunday, right, all of the outward motions and receive almost nothing. And sometimes this just happens. You know, some Sundays are just drier than others, and that's just how it is. But oftentimes, it's because I think we come at church somewhat ill-prepared. I know for myself, if I stay up super late on a Saturday night, or if I fill Sunday morning with busyness, uh, it's no no coincidence that on those Sundays in particular, I'm extra distracted uh, and render myself less, less good soil for the hearing of the word. Similarly, not only for the word sort of um, spoken, but the word eaten, right? When we have Holy Communion and we get to feast on the living word himself, if we've made no act of self-examination, no concrete confession, um, no in, no, not made any interior recognition of the, the magnitude of what we participate in at this table, we'll actually get very little out of it. We spoke about this in uh, Sunday school this morning we actually can fail to receive the gifts that God is offering, right? The seed is sown, but will the ground receive it? So just a couple tips, I suppose, which I myself am continually trying to practice to be a good soil when, when God's word gets scattered here at church. I think the first thing is to actually come expecting the living God to speak to each of us here in church. It might be through a verse in one of the readings. That's why we have a a full set of readings, so that a kind of a full picture of God's work and the gospel can come forward. It may be in something God uses in the sermon. It may be something you've heard a thousand times in the Eucharistic prayer, but that sticks out about God's love for us. Wherever it is, every Sunday, God actually desires to speak to you and, and is speaking, and the question is simply, will we hear? Will we receive that word? There's literally nothing else more important on the whole planet than what we gather to do here on a Sunday morning, right? I think there's a, a writer, Annie Dillard, who has this great quote, which I wish I'd have put here to quote uh, in, in preciseness. But she says, you know, we kind of come to church like, okay, here I am at church. But actually, church pews should have seatbelts for like, to like buckle in for what's about to happen. Like the living God, maker of the universe, is about to speak to us and feed us with the body of his own son. And we're just sort of like, okay, sounds good. So she says ushers should hand out helmets along with the bulletins. And I, I love that picture um, because it's easy to forget, right, in the midst of our material lives that, that that is what's happening at church. We actually believe the living God is speaking to us. He is, we come here to hear from God, God, and to be fed by him and to worship him in response. Now, I actually have got to confess at this point, most of my life, um, especially, really practically prior to ordination, but, um, but most of my life, because by being a priest, I have to be at church on time. Uh, thankfully, God's, that's a mercy to me, because most of my life, I kind of showed up somewhere between like the Kyrie and the Psalm, always a few minutes late, 
busy, distracted, and there were like several years where I got like this much out of church, and it's my own fault, because I was just coming at it with such small, diminished expectations, with such a hurried spirit. And I know that I missed out. Um, so yeah, so one practice, which I know is part of your discipline for many of you already, but I encourage is trying to get to church a couple minutes early, to quiet one's heart, to sort of remind oneself what we're here to do each and every Sunday. So that's, that's an encouragement for how to be good soil at church. So that's arena number one. Uh, arena number two is at home. What about when we read the Bible by ourselves during the week? You know, how, how do we be good soil for, for that seed scattering? I think this is a great topic to bring up because um, there's this sort of wonderful ruse that we all kind of perpetuate with nods and, you know, uh uh-huh's here and there. There's this ruse that all of us are reading the Bible all the time. Um, But, you know, surveys in recent years have kind of pulled off the mask on that one. Um, And it's actually the case that only one in five regular churchgoers um, crack open their Bible something like every day, just even something like every day. The vast majority of the church cracks open a Bible once, maybe twice a month, and a full quarter of the church uh, never reads the Bible at home. So I don't know where you land on that statistic. I don't need to know. Um, but it at least sort of is, gives us a breath of honesty to be like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, struggling, I'm struggling to read the Word. And actually, that's, that's really part of uh, my story. It's really until fairly recently um, that I didn't read my Bible much at all in private. I did go to morning and evening prayer, and I got to hear the Word. But in terms of actually reading my Bible in private, um, it wasn't long ago that that wasn't a part of my life. Um, it really seemed actually like an arduous chore with no rewards. And because of that, you know, there would be kind of these bursts of excitement, like, yeah, okay, I'm going to read it, now I'm going to read it. And I'd go for a few days, maybe a few weeks, and it would kind of peter off. And it was always just fits and starts. And so I, what I want to sort of encourage you in this arena this morning is, if you don't read the Bible much at home, you know, admit that to yourself, <laughs> um, but don't lose heart. It, it doesn't have to always be arduous and a chore. And with a little bit of effort, and with some things I'm going to speak on in just a second here, um, I think that practice can be transformed. The, uh, because I think the biggest reason we don't read the Bible is actually that we don't know how. And of course we know how to read, and I actually think most of us know how to study at some level. Um, I, but even studying the Bible doesn't mean we hear from God through the Bible. I took a, a minor degree in how to study the Bible at an evangelical college, and I went to seminary, I took tons of classes on the Bible, and actually none of those made me fall in love with the Bible. It wasn't until I gra- after I graduated seminary where I had to learn something different and new for how to read the Bible on my own. Studying alone doesn't give us the ears to hear. Um, so I, I kind of want to share with you these few things that I kind of learned over the last several years, which have really fin- finally uh, made me interested and enjoy reading the Bible, and I feel like actually God is speaking through it to me on an almost daily basis. That's the, uh, the good soil practice that I want to offer to you. Okay, so it's not that complicated, but there are a number of steps. So kind of, if you're going to zone in for re- really kind of with me for one bit of the sermon, uh, zone in now. So here's, okay, so this is, this is kind of, this is what it looks like. You need to pick a place in your home uh, that is comfortable and without distraction. So let's get real. Try and think of a place right now in your house. It could be a chair, some sort of spare closet somewhere, a study, just some place that's comfortable and without distraction. Is everyone thinking of a place? Yeah? Okay. So here's, here's how to hear from God in the Bible. Pick 
uh, wake up just 20 minutes earlier than you'd wake up. And I, I'm like a nine-hour-a-night guy, so this is brutal. <laughs> um, but it's so worth it. 20 minutes is all it takes. Take, wake up 20 minutes earlier and just go straight to that place that you were just thinking of. Just go straight there and have a Bible there. And if you have a cross or uh, an icon or something to kind of focus you for a moment, that, that can be helpful too. And the, the most important part is actually the, to pray at the very beginning. I think part of why I struggled so long to really hear from God is because every time I crack a Bible, my attitude deep down was, okay, God, I'm going to figure you out. Here I go. Which uh, actually lead, yields very, very little fruit. On the contrary, um, what does yield fruit is to ask God to show himself to our, to our own minds and souls. So I encourage you, so you've woken up, You've gone to this place, there's a Bible there, to begin with a prayer out loud. Because even when we're alone in private, to pray out loud helps us, especially when we're sleepy, uh, to be concrete in what we're asking God for. Uh, and to pray a prayer that just acknowledges a couple of things. That God's presence, and that we need to hear from him, and that it's out of his goodness that he would talk to us. Those are kind of the three things to pray. And so use whatever words you want. Um, but you know, I, I pray something like, Lord, I... I place myself in your presence. Uh, I know that you're here in my heart through your Holy Spirit. I know that you're watching me from your throne in heaven. Uh, I believe in you, from your word that, that I, I need to hear from you if I'm going to stay alive spiritually. Right? Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word of God. I need to hear your words. And I come like not asking because I'm someone special, but because you've promised to feed me and to speak to me and because of the merits of your son, Jesus. So, Lord, I'm about to crack open this Bible Please, please speak to me through it. Just a, a prayer of pleading, because that's the posture. So many stories that Jesus tells, right? The difference between the one who was blessed by God and got to collaborate with God and enjoy God is just the one who asks. It's, it sounds so simple, almost too good to be true, but we, we fail to do it, even in our private reading of Scripture. So you've gone to a place 20 minutes before your day is going to begin. Um, you've prayed a prayer like this. And then here's... Uh, Here's a way I want to suggest you to read. Some of you, this may be old hat. If it is, please bear with me. If it's not, uh, here's what I encourage. I pick a gospel. I think Bible through a year plans have a great use, but not for this. Um, pick a gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and just read a single story. I have a bookmark. And you know, often most of your Bibles will have sort of like little headings above a section. Just pick a section. Probably it'll be one or two paragraphs. A few verses, not very long. Just that, and there's no hurry to get through the book or anything. And just read that little section through twice. Just read it twice. Uh, and then, here, and here's sort of where the, the real uh, joyful work begins, I think. Um, try and picture out in your imagination the scene that you just read. Like, really try and kind of flesh it out in its details. Like, wh you know, wh what would the crowd look like? And, you know, we just heard this story. Okay, Jesus is in a boat, and he's out on the lake, and the crowd's on the beach. So if I was um, reading this story uh, in the morning, I would picture myself kind of on a beach with this crowd and Jesus there, and then I'd picture him saying these words. I'm just trying to picture what kind of tone is he talking and what does he look like? How is the crowd reacting? And just kind of flesh out the scene to your mind. I think um, one of the things we've been robbed of in the modern era is we think that imagination is just some sort of fanciful thing in our lives, but God's actually given us uh, imagination as a faculty of our souls so that we can really reach out and put our hands uh, into his word and, and to really understand himself and his truth more thoroughly. So don't be shy about, about trying to use your imagination in understanding the scripture. Okay, so then here's... Um, so you kind of, so you're, you're in 
you're in this, the place in your house, you've read the story twice, you've fleshed it out in your mind, um, almost always there'll be something in the story that is more interesting to you than other parts. And that's often, not always, and some of this is, it's not a science, this is an art, right? But often the thing that's interesting is the Holy Spirit saying, come, come look over here. And in your mind, to go over to that thing and, and just start asking the Lord, like, yeah, what about this? Um, what about this story? Uh, why did you say it like that, Lord? Or that sounds kind of mean. Uh, did, how did you mean this? Or why did the people react this way? And just be asking these questions, not just to yourself, but in prayer, right? This is a prayerful activity to the Lord, saying, Lord, Lord, sh- please show me. Please help me understand what's happening in this story, this part that intrigues me. And then just kind of sit there, keep pondering these things, and uh, see if your mind doesn't land on some wonderful life-giving answer. Try this and see if you've never tried it. Uh, You know, and the skeptic could say, well, yeah, that's just your own creativity, it's your own brain. Yeah, sure, skeptics can say what they like. The truth of the matter is when you sort of ask a question of the text to the Lord and he gives you your your insight and understanding and something that's uh, to kind of sink into, that's the Holy Spirit, the living God speaking directly to you. That's the scattering of the word in receiving then some understanding right because that's what Jesus says in the parable the good soil is the one who hears and understands really gets to uh, gets to know the truth of whatever text of scripture we're reading um, there's one final step and I uh, the sermon is being recorded because I know this is a lot of steps and you may if you want to take me seriously and try this uh, maybe you listen again and, uh, to make sure that because the, the final and crucial step is to ask the Lord, uh, what do I do with that now today? Something concrete for the day. Is there something that Jesus has done or said which we should imitate? Is there a command to be obeyed? Is there something, just understanding that you kind of have come into that you know you should apply to this relationship or this situation uh, to ask for something concrete to do? So that's it. It's a lot of steps, right? But it's not so hard to, to, to put together. And your 20 minutes will soon be over. It might seem like a long time at first. Um, but then, after having understood and laid, laid hold of something to do that day, out of that understanding, uh, to thank the Lord and to begin your day. 20 minutes. I think this is... Uh, this, I, I share this just out of my life because until I sort of was taught this method of reading scripture, I just never enjoyed it. I never enjoyed it. And now, like, my favorite thing is that, 20, that first 20 minutes of the day. Um, and you can sometimes, if leisure allows, stretch it out to a bit longer if you want. But to have that little spot, like I just know there's like this haven in the world of that little spot in my house where I go for this uh, and, and uh, where the Lord speaks regularly. Um, so I, I share this with you because I want you to sort of leapfrog over my six or seven years of just fruitless scripture reading <laughs> and go straight to the good stuff. Uh, I wish someone had told me about it uh, long ago because this way of reading scripture, it's not dependent on our education or our state of life. Anyone can do this. I'd suggest, um, if you're looking just for some sort of practical tips, to be the good soil, right? The good soil that yields fruit. Um, pick three or four days a week, maybe Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Or pick, three, pick three or four days. Uh, obviously, if your life is so busy that it doesn't allow for it, just try, start with one day, but start with something. Uh, and the key is to stick with whatever you choose at the beginning. So keep showing up to that space. Because there will be a few times when you open the Bible and sit there for 20 minutes and it's like, I asked for understanding, I got nothing. Don't give up at that point. 
keep sitting with that passage. Reread that one again the next time. Uh, keep asking the Lord because it's in placing ourselves in God's presence and saying, Lord, speak, your servant is listening. Scatter the seed. He doesn't leave us hanging for long. Sometimes maybe a few days or weeks to test us, to test our resolve to pursue him. Um, but I promise you, if you try this, if you really give this a try, I promise, and I don't make very many promises from the pulpit, um, but I promise you won't be disappointed because the Lord is real and he actually does want to speak to you. Um, and there are, you know, there are some more particular counsels according to re- how to read and difficulties and state of life and all these things, but I'll save those for our one-on-one conversations. So try it, and if you run into obstacles, let's talk about it because I, I really want to encourage you to, to be able to, to uh, hear from God in this way. Okay, so uh, we've talked about hearing God at, at church, uh, hearing God when we're reading the Bible by ourselves. The very last thing I, I wish to speak on is uh, the last arena in which I think the Lord is scattering the seed of his word, and, and that's when the Holy Spirit speaks to our conscience. Again, I think it's sort of an unfortunate inheritance from our, our modern sensibilities that we think of conscience as just something that we each just individually have, and like it was if it was just subjective. Um, but actually, conscience, again, faculty of the soul that God has given us, that the Holy Spirit uses to remind us of the word that we've heard, whether on church, at church on Sunday or in our reading in the morning. Um, God's given us conscience and the Holy Spirit to speak through it, to bring us back to the, to the truth. Because, um, so I realize in my excitement, I haven't taken a breath in like five minutes. <laughs> Sorry for going so fast. You know, it's not often that we're really tempted to disobey God when we're in church or when we're reading the Bible. It's in the rest of our day, right? So that's what the Holy Spirit's for, to remind us of the truth that God has given us. And that's the crucial moment. The, the, The bad soils failed in the moment of testing. They heard the word. They accepted the truths of the Christianity here, but they didn't live it out. So the Holy Spirit has been given... uh, that we could, we could honor this word. And I think um, the reason it's so important to start to be really sensitive to our own consciences is anytime we, we disobey the Holy Spirit's prompting, we actually it's clog up our ears partially, and it becomes harder to hear the next time. And so part of why, even though it might seem like any particular moment of conscience, I mean, it could be something very small, like, should I watch this TV show or that TV show? I mean, these tiny little decisions we make in the day, often the Holy Spirit is whispering, yeah, go this way, not this way. And the reason it's important to listen is if we keep rejecting that voice, eventually our ears could be fully stopped up and we wouldn't be able to hear from God at all. Um, and, you know, I think we all have this sort of myth in our minds of the deathbed conversion, right? Someone who's hardened their life against God forever and, and they're dying and then they come to God. And um, the testimony of all the priests who attend to those people who are dying is... Very few people turn to God on their deathbed. Very few. You think maybe a lot, but actually it's not a lot. Um, Because if you've been plugging your ears from God your whole life, uh, there's like the least inclination to turn to him is at the end. So it's important to seize the moment now. That's what Psalm 95, the psalm that's begun the church's prayers every day for centuries, is today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, follow those sensitive proddings of the Spirit every day and never take a, a sort of an opportunity of conscience for granted. Okay, so that's the three things. That's a lot of things I know. <laughs> um, 
But I think all three arenas and all of these things are really important if we're going to be that good soil. I mean, it's one in four, right? I mean, that's of the four soils. Um, this is sort of a, this is part of the narrow way that Jesus offers. That the seed is scattered on a lot of folk, and a lot of folk don't do what God has purposed with it. Uh, and so, my hope for our parish is that we would be all good soil. And these are some some ways to try and cultivate that rich reception of the Word of God. Since we need His help, right, at every turn, right, for each of the ones we talked about, it's a case of asking for the Lord's guidance. So, to that end, uh, let's pray together now for for grace to really receive his word. Father, we uh, admit that without your help, uh, we're doomed to be rocky soil uh, or thorny soil. And so I ask, Father, for a fresh outpouring of your gift, of your grace, on each of us, that our minds and our hearts would be made more ready to hear your word spoken to us, in church, at home, uh, in our conscience. Pray that you would give us a good will to follow your word and that you would bear rich fruit, like you said, a hundredfold or sixtyfold or thirtyfold in our lives and in this parish as a result of being good soil. This will only be a gift from you, Lord, so we look to your hand uh, for it at every step of the way. Pray this in the name of your Son, the great sower of the word, Jesus Christ. Amen.